Wow. Thank you, Adrienne and worship team, for leading us in praise. They'll be back in a little while to lead us some more. I've got to admit it, I love spring. I really like having seasons, but after a long, cold, dreary, dark winter, there's something about seeing the first little crocuses come through, the first hyacinths and narcissus, daffodils, getting ready for the tulips and the trees beginning to blossom. And there's something about seeing all that that is just exciting because it's this anticipation that spring will burst forth fully soon and summer's not far behind it. But I want you to just put on your imagination caps for a minute and imagine living in a world that had never, ever had spring. All the world has ever known is frozen tundra, ice, darkness, cold, dreariness. And that's all you or anyone else on earth has ever experienced. C.S. Lewis described such a world in his book, Lion, Witch, and the, world, and the Wardrobe, where he said, he described it this way, always winter and never Christmas. Wouldn't that be awful? <laughs> but imagine living in that kind of world, and then one day you walk outside and it's a little warmer, and the next day you go out and it's a little warmer, and you think, what is this? And then you look and you see little purple and white crocuses coming up. And you don't even know what they are because they're new. How would you feel? Would you feel a sense of excitement? What is this? There's new life. There's something that's bursting forth and it would give you, hopefully, some hope that there's more to come. There's more to follow. Well, if you can just enter into that, let yourself imagine that a bit. That's just a hint, I think, of what it was like when Jesus stepped out of that tomb on that Sunday morning nearly 2,000 years ago. He stepped out of the tomb into a world that was full of darkness, corruption, sin, that desperately needed some new life. And when he stepped out of that tomb, something new that had never been seen on the earth had appeared. New life came. There was a new creation. There was a new hope. Today, as we look at a passage in Luke chapter 24, I want to look at the surprise of the resurrection and the dawning of true hope for all mankind. And as we look at what it meant for them, hopefully we'll get a grasp of what the resurrection means for us today. So let me pray before we look together at this passage. Lord, thank you that you died for our sin and that you rose again. And when you rose, you brought new life, a whole new creation. May we, Lord, have open hearts to hear you. May your Spirit help us understand what that new creation means for us today. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Now, at the beginning of this passage in Luke 24, verse 36, the disciples are terrified. They're hiding out in a locked room, we're told in one of the other Gospels. They're afraid because their leader, their master, Jesus, has been arrested, scourged, and crucified, killed, and buried by the Jews and the Romans. And so now they're hiding out in a room just hoping that they don't hear a knock on the door, that the Jews and the Romans aren't coming for them. But they're terrified. They're afraid. But at the end of our passage, they are in the temple amongst the Jews with Romans all around, openly proclaiming Jesus is Lord. Worshipping and delighting in Him. Now, their lives were completely changed. I mean, so completely changed that nearly every one of them were martyred for their faith. Because they had seen something that absolutely transformed their whole view of themselves and of life. So let's look at what happened to them so we can understand what God wants to do in our lives through the resurrection. Passage begins this way in verse 36 of Luke 24. While they were telling these things, some had come and said, this happened and there's hints of Jesus being alive, but they hadn't seen him yet. He himself, Jesus himself, stood in their midst. He came into a locked room. He was able to pass through a locked door and show up among them. And he said to them, peace be to you. Shalom. But they were startled and frightened and thought they were seeing a spirit or a ghost. You see, the disciples had never seen something like they were looking at now. They only really had two categories for life. One is the material world. And, you know, we all live in the material world. And this is what we know. Physical world. Solid. So there's the material world and then there's the spirit world. They believe there's the spirit world and most of us do too, whether we're believers or not, that there's some kind of spirit immaterial world out there. But when Jesus showed up as the resurrected Lord, he didn't fit into either one of those categories. And that's what blew their minds. (laughs) Listen to it as it goes on. They thought they were seeing a ghost or a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit or a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they still could not believe it, or because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish. And he took it and ate it before them. What totally changed their lives, these disciples? They were confronted with something that had never before existed on earth. This was new life. This was an invasion. (laughs) This was the meeting of earth and heaven coming together. See, in Jesus' resurrected body, was it material? Yeah. (laughs) 
Was it spiritual? Yeah. But more than that, it was both. This was the new creation that the disciples, the Jews, and all creation has been waiting for. Something totally different where earth and heaven come together. It was a brand new thing. It was crocuses and daffodils and tulips where they had never, ever appeared before. This was new life. When Jesus first walked on earth before he died, he was like us. He took on a physical body, material body. But his resurrected body was entirely different. It was eternal. It was resurrected. It was a combination of earth and heaven. That's why the disciples were so stunned, because they lived in a world like we do, which is full of corruption and brokenness and sin. And that's what we know in this physical, material world. But they were seeing something that said, even this physical, material world will be transformed. There is a new creation coming, and Jesus' body is simply the first fruits of what's to come. It's the first flowers bursting forth of a complete and entire summer. (laughs) And the disciples were amazed. They'd never seen anything like this. As the rest of the New Testament goes on to develop, Jesus' resurrection body was something new. It really was spring breaking forth. Now, why is this so significant? Why is it so important to us? It's because it means that heaven is already here. We're not just waiting for someday, yeah, you know, now I'm saved, and someday I'm waiting for heaven to come. Someday I'll go to heaven and live in that sort of whatever it is. I don't know what it is. No, when Jesus was raised from the dead, that meant the new creation, the new heavens and new earth that we're waiting for had already begun. The first fruits was here. And it means we're not just waiting for a future out there. We can begin to live it now. Every time somebody here on earth gives their heart to Jesus and He comes to indwell them in His resurrected power, that person becomes part of the new creation. Part of something brand new that doesn't exist, has never existed before on earth. Every believer in Christ is a crocus. (laughs) a daffodil, a a sign that the new creation has come. It's already here. That's the first meaning of the creation. The new creation has come. Secondly, the resurrection shows that now Jesus is Lord. There is a new Lord over the earth. He goes on to say in verse 44, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. He said, Hey, I'm risen, and what that does is fulfill what the Scriptures had to say. What does the Scripture have to say? What were the Jews looking forward to? They were looking forward to the Messiah. 
the Son of God to come, the King to come and establish His kingdom on earth. They weren't looking for some pie in the sky. They were looking for the kingdom of God being established here on earth in the new creation. And Jesus says, I have risen from the dead and that means that now the king is here. Jesus told his risen disciples over in Matthew 28, verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now notice what he says there. He doesn't say all authority has been given to me in heaven and someday it'll be given me on earth. No, he says it has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That means he has now established himself as king. King on the earth. He is here. He is Lord. He is master. We have a new Lord. Now maybe you're sitting there going, okay, but if Jesus is Lord, then why is this world still such a mess? It's a good question. Honest question. What Jesus is teaching us is that the kingdom is here. It's already come, but not in its fullness. It will come in its complete fullness someday when he returns. That's true. It's not yet, but it is already here. In fact, every time somebody gives themselves to the Lord, submits to him, the kingdom expands. Every time somebody trusts him and walks with him and loves a neighbor, out of their faith in Christ, the kingdom expands. You see, the kingdom's already here, but it's visible in us. Someday it'll be visible in a way that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That will happen. But in the meantime, the kingdom is here and it is visible. The crocuses, the tulips that can be seen as people walk on the frozen tundra and they look, there's a crocus. There's new life. How is that? They see us. They see us reaching out in love. They see our lives changing. They see us putting off sin and beginning to trust Him with our lives in a new way. And they say, wow, the new creation has come. Jesus is alive. Jesus is Lord, and that's why the new early church got in such trouble. To be in the Roman Empire like they were, you had to declare Caesar is Lord. But they got in big trouble because the early Christians, they did not say, Jesus will be Lord someday. (laughs) No, they got in trouble because they said, Caesar is not Lord, Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. He reigns and we are followers of Him and we trust Him. Despite the powers of this world and who think they reign and are in control, they are not. Jesus is Lord. And that's what the resurrection proves and shows us forever. So the question for all of us is then, will we submit to Him as Lord? Will we follow Him as Lord? Will we obey Him as Lord? Will we be followers of the resurrected Christ so that He can be visible to the world around us. But the meaning of the resurrection is even greater than that because it gives us, in fact, all of mankind, a whole new purpose for living. 
Jesus goes on teaching his disciples in verse 47. He says, And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. You see, if this is all true, if the new creation has come and Jesus is Lord and he died for us, forgiveness of sins then can be proclaimed to everybody in the world, all nations, all tribes, all peoples. That means that humans, you and I, all humanity, has a whole new purpose for living. Twofold, really. One, we get the opportunity, a whole new purpose, and that is to live as part of this new creation. To not just survive in this world. I just see too many Christians living like the non-Christian world around us, which is, okay, my purpose is simply to survive until Jesus comes again and then I'll go be with him, but I just got to survive till then. No. You see, the resurrection of Jesus means we have so much more to live for right now. We can live as part of that new creation. We can live trusting him, and as we trust him and walk with him and learn to depend on his life in us, then we are living out that new creation. We are already, in essence, living in heaven here. And not only that, but we have another part to that purpose, which is now we get the opportunity of telling others about it, proclaiming forgiveness of sins to everybody. So we have a purpose to share this new life that they will not know about unless they see it and hear it in us. We have a whole new purpose in life. You see, the resurrection changes everything. And Here's the thing that really blows my mind that I've just been thinking a lot about lately. And that is what that means is that everything we do here on earth really matters. Because, get this, what we do here on earth, anything that's done out of faith in Christ and following Him as Lord will be carried over into the new heavens and new earth it will have impact in the new heavens and new earth. I like the way that N.T. Wright, the foremost New Testament scholar, puts it. He says this, You are, strange though it may seem, almost as hard to believe as the resurrection itself, you are accomplishing something that will become in due course part of God's new world. Every act of love, gratitude, and kindness, every work of art, or music that's inspired by the love of God and delight in the beauty of His creation. Every minute spent teaching a severely handicapped child to read or to walk. Every act of care or nurture, of comfort and support for one's fellow human beings, and for that matter, one's fellow non-human creatures. And of course, every prayer, all spirit-led teaching, every deed that spreads the gospel, builds up the church, embraces and embodies holiness rather than corruption, everything that makes the name of Jesus honored in the world. All of this will find its way through the resurrecting power of God into the new creation that God will someday make. Isn't that mind-blowing? It means when you simply out of faith in Christ reach out to a neighbor and share the love of God with them, 
that's like planting a seed in this life that somehow, I don't know how God does this, but somehow when he creates the new heavens and the new earth will be a beautiful blossoming tree. How does that happen? I don't know, but it's a miracle and it's a mystery and it's what the resurrection means. That what we do really, really matters. And then finally, Jesus tells his disciples that the resurrection not only provides all that, but it gives us a whole new power for living. He tells the disciples this, verse 49, And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. What is that power? It's the Holy Spirit in us, right? It's the very resurrected life of Christ. Jesus says, not only am I wanting you to give you a whole new purpose, but I will give you the power to live it out. Now, many of us live a life that we feel like, oh yeah, but I feel so trapped in this world of corruption and struggle and I struggle with my own failure and my own sin. And What are you talking about? I'm part of a new creation? I have the power of God in me? Absolutely. And Jesus wants us to begin to depend on that Spirit in us, to live in this new power, to see that we are by faith, part of this new creation so that we can be part of showing the world around us that new life has come. The new creation is here. So when they see us reaching out to love someone else, they go, wow, there's something different about that person. I see a crocus. (laughs) I see a daffodil. I see life bursting forth in the midst of a dark and broken world. So as we learn to walk in His strength and His power, then we get to be part of expanding this whole new creation. N.T. Wright, again, puts it this way. He says, I know that God's new world of justice and joy, of hope for the whole earth, was launched when Jesus came out of the tomb on Easter morning. And I know that He calls His followers to live in Him and by the power of His Spirit and so to be new creation people here and now, bringing signs and symbols of the kingdom to birth on earth as in heaven. That's why Jesus prays and tells us to pray, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, because the new creation's here. So may it expand and may we be part of that. May we be the crocuses and daffodils and narcissus and hyacinths and tulips that show the world that new life is here and the fullness of it is coming soon. Well, the passage ends this way. Jesus led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them and while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. In the temple. (laughs) Surrounded by all the people that they were terrified of before. Why? Because they'd been confronted with the risen Christ, the new creation, the new life that came from Him and they had to respond. 
They had to respond with joy, worship, praise, celebration. See, that's the only proper response to the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To follow Him as Lord, to live as part of this new creation, and to worship and praise Him for what He has done. Now, some of you have known Jesus as Lord for a long time, but I pray that this will be an encouragement to you to trust Him more, to see that you are part of the new creation, and to see that your life matters. It's part of expanding the kingdom of God right here and now. Some of you, maybe you've been to church a lot, maybe you haven't, but you've never actually turned to Him as Lord and received Him as Lord and Savior, received that proclamation for forgiveness of sins, and let Him come in and be Lord of your life and become part of that new creation. Jesus is saying to you, don't put it off any longer. I want you to be part of my new creation. It doesn't matter what you've done or how bad your past may be or how, many, how sinful your life has been or how corrupt, how much harm you've done to other people. I died for that on the cross. I carried your sin. I bore that burden. And therefore, I beg of you, turn to me now as Lord, is what Jesus says to you. And he says, I love you. I forgive you. I want you to come and be part of my family. And if you're in that place today and God's tugging on your heart, don't put it off. Give your heart to Him today. And I encourage you to pray a prayer. Just pray and say, Lord, I give you my life. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for taking my sin. I receive you as Lord and Savior. And if you need help doing that, if you want to talk to somebody about that, come up front after the service or during our last few songs. Someone will talk to you and pray with you. Or, but make sure you talk to somebody who you know knows Jesus so they can encourage you as you begin a new walk with Him, as you become part of the new creation. Well, like the disciples could do nothing but praise and worship God, we want to sing a few more songs to praise and worship Him to end our service. But let me pray first, and then we will do that. Lord, thank You for the incredible mystery and wonder and gift of the new creation that was demonstrated by your resurrection. Thank you for bringing new life and offering it to us. Lord, may we walk as signs and symbols of that new creation that has already come, which was proven forever by your resurrected life, which has changed the world forever. We give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.